Well, our story today begins in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. And there's a reason why we're going to be looking at Luke. This really is kind of a prequel. In our day and time, we have lots of books and lots of movies out and lots of cinematic events where we hear a story or we watch a story and then a few years later they come out with the story before the story and what's known as a prequel. And um, the idea really is not uh, native to our current entertainment media. We see connection throughout Scripture. And so this morning we're going to be looking at a prequel to a book that we'll be starting next week. We'll be looking at the book of Acts starting next Sunday, and we're going to be looking at the origins of the early church and how they depended on the activity of the Lord and their trust in His Word and in their desire to pray and seek the Lord and His will. And we're going to see in the coming, in the coming season the lessons we can learn about the sufficiency of Scripture in the early church, and how that impacts us in 2021. And this morning, we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. It's a prequel to to what's coming next. So our story begins in Luke 24, following the horrible events of of Jesus' crucifixion. It's It's the day which we will come to know as Easter Sunday. It's early, and the women, they, they come to, to, to Jesus' tomb, and the stone is rolled away. Jesus is not in the tomb. Two angelic figures appear, and they, and they tell the frightened women, why are you seeking the living one among the dead? He is not here, for he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinful men, and be crucified, and on the third day rise from the dead. And the women, they remembered Jesus' words. And so they run to tell the others, and the others dismiss them, except Peter. Peter runs to the tomb, and and, and he gets to the tomb, and he stoops, and he looks in, and he sees the grave clothes only. And he goes home in shock and in awe. He he marvels, Luke tells us. And in verse 13 of Luke 24, we read that on that very day, two disciples were going to a village, a village named Emmaus, which was roughly seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. The events of the weekend, Holy Week. They're talking with each other, and, and, and Jesus himself approaches them along the road and begins to travel with them, the resurrected Lord. But their eyes are kept from recognizing Jesus. Jesus says to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as, as you're walking? And they come to a stop looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, says, Are you possibly the only one living near Jerusalem who does not know about the things that have happened here in these days? 
That's a kind way of saying, where have you been, man? Jesus asks, what sorts of things? And they begin to tell, they say, well, those about Jesus the Nazarene, who proved to be a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Hmm. Indeed, besides all of this, it's now the third day since these things happened. They're bewildered. And then Jesus says, there in verse 25, You foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. In these two verses this morning, Jesus asks a question. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to come into His glory? And then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, Jesus explained to them the things written about Himself in all the Scriptures. Let me read that verse again. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things written about himself in all the scriptures. The big reveal. Whether you're watching a magician on stage or you're watching a a movie or you're reading a novel that's gripping in a real page turner. The big reveal, what what Merriam-Webster calls the act or an instance of showing or revealing or disclosing something for the first time. What's the big deal? Moses and the prophets. The law and the prophets. Moses, the writings of Moses, we refer to as the Torah or the first five books in the Old Testament. The first five books. The Law of Moses. You've got the Law of Moses, and then you've got the prophets. That's the Old Testament. So why does it matter that Jesus reveals himself in what the followers of God in those days referred to as all the Scriptures? You see, in those days, they didn't have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and Acts, and, and Jude, and First and Second Peter. I don't know if you've thought about that or not, but these early believers, the only Scriptures they had were what we refer to as the Old Testament. They were all the Scriptures. So why does it matter that Jesus has revealed Himself in this fashion? Why does it matter to us now? Well, we're going to answer that question. Turn with me to Genesis 22. This is just one place where we see Jesus in the Law of Moses. Our story begins with a man called Abraham one whom God called forth to follow him. Abraham was the recipient of a promise. And God said, Go from your country to the land which I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And what's more, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And the Lord keeps his promise. The Lord is a promise keeper. Abraham and his wife, Sarah, 
greatly advanced in years and previously unable to have children, they become parents to little Isaac, the child of promise. And, and, and Isaac grows into he's infant and becomes a toddler and a little boy, and so he's a boy of some age. And then in Genesis 22, God says to Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham replies, here I am. God says this. He said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Wow. Scripture doesn't say what Abraham's response is internally. But Abraham does as he's directed, and they strike off. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham raises his eyes and sees the place from a distance. And Abraham says to the two who are traveling with him and Isaac, Stay here with a donkey, and, and I and the boy will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. Abraham takes the wood. He takes the wood for the burnt offering, and he lays it on his son Isaac, and, and Abraham takes in his hand the fire and the knife, and the two of them walk on together. Isaac speaks to his father Abraham and said, My father, and Abraham says, here I am, my son. Now Isaac says, look at the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham replies, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. I would imagine Abraham's probably sick at heart. But this is what he tells his son. The two of them walk on together. They come to a place of which God has shared with Abraham, and, and Abraham builds the altar there and arranges the wood and binds his son Isaac and lays him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reaches out with his hand and takes the knife, Scripture says, to slaughter his son. The angel of the Lord calls to Abraham and says, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am. The angel says, do not reach out your hand against the boy and do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham raises his eyes. And he looks, and behold, behind him is a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns. And Abraham goes and takes the ram and offers it up as a burnt offering in the place of his son Isaac. Abraham names that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. You see, the Lord did provide a lamb that day for Abraham. 
the Lord provided salvation for Isaac by offering another sacrifice, a, a better sacrifice. The Lord offered a substitute for Abraham's son. We read that the angel of the Lord calls to Abraham a second time from heaven and says, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, it's a message from the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. You see, God is holy and man is not. We would read in Romans chapter 3 that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God and there's got to be a sacrifice. There must be a sacrifice made to pay our sin debt. And as the Lord provided a lamb that day for Abraham's sacrifice of worship, the Lord has provided a lamb for us. In the very same way that God the Father provided a substitute sacrifice for Abraham's son. God the Father did not withhold His Son, His only Son. The Lord has provided His own Son as a substitute sacrifice in place of us. It was necessary for Christ to suffer. Otherwise, we would suffer and as the Lord told Abraham, through your lineage, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. As Abraham was obedient in the same way Jesus was obedient. And all the nations of the earth have been blessed by the shed blood of the sinless Lamb of God, Jesus. The story of Abraham and Isaac in the law of Moses points to Jesus and His church, points to us. Jesus tells these two travelers where He is in the law of Moses, and that's, only one, that's, that's just one spot. And then Jesus explains what is written about Him in the prophets. One of the prophets is Isaiah. Isaiah 53 we read about one called the suffering servant. Isaiah 53. Isaiah would write of one saying, He was despised and we had no regard for him. However, it was our sicknesses, our sicknesses that he himself bore. And our pains, our pains he carried. Yet we ourselves assumed that he had been afflicted struck down by God and humiliated. But He was pierced for our offenses. He was crushed for our wrongdoings. The punishment for our well-being was laid upon Him. And by His wounds, some of your translations read, by His stripes we are healed. 
We, we see sacrificial language in Isaiah like we see in the story of Abraham. You see, Isaiah tells in verse 6 there in chapter 53 that all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. To fall on himself. The righteous one, whom the Lord desired to crush. The Lord refers to this servant as my servant. My servant will justify the many. He himself bore the sin of many. Bore the sin of all. And Isaiah says, for he will bear their wrongdoings. The Lord Jesus has borne our wrongdoings and has justified us. He has given us His very righteousness. The story with our two travelers doesn't end here. In Luke 24, verse 27, after Jesus explained to the two men the, the things written about Himself in all the Scriptures, they they approach their home village. And Jesus gives them the impression that he's traveling on a little further. But they urge him to stay. It's getting late in the day. So Jesus goes in and stays to stay with them. And they're good hosts. They have a meal. And, and, and when Jesus reclines at the table with these two, Jesus takes the bread and he blesses it. And he breaks it and he begins to give it to them. And then their eyes are opened. And they recognize Jesus. And Jesus vanishes from their sight. They say to one another, Were our hearts not burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? while he was explaining the Scriptures to us. The big reveal. Jesus has showed these two all that the law and the prophets contained about himself. And, and I've shown you just two examples. Jesus shares this, and, and then just as Jesus... And then just as Jesus had done on the night of the Last Supper, on the night of His arrest, Jesus blesses the bread. He breaks it. And these two with Jesus, Luke tells us that their eyes are opened. They recognize Jesus. And then Jesus is gone from their sight. The big reveal, the, the big question. Why does it matter that Jesus reveals himself in all the scriptures? Why does it matter? Why does it matter to us now in 2021? 
Here's why. All that the Old Testament Scripture prophesied about Jesus' coming and Jesus' purpose came true. And if what the Old Testament said about Jesus is true, then all that the New Testament is saying about Jesus, His coming and His purpose and His coming again must be true as well. If we can trust the old, we can trust the new. And as the old song says, you can't have one without the other. We can trust the sufficiency of all that God's Word says and all that God's Word promises. We can trust it. Jesus' question to the two, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to come into His glory? Yes, it was. For our sake, Christ suffered these things and came into His glory. Paul would write in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death upon a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted His Son and bestowed on His Son the name which is above every, every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Jesus will have authority and Jesus will have dominion. And Paul says, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's only because of Jesus' suffering on the cross that we will be able to stand before the Lord. Jesus suffered these things. Christ suffered these things to come into His glory. And He will lead us into glory as well. But, but only if we've placed faith in what His suffering has accomplished. And only if we've bowed under His name, which is above every name. If we've bowed, if we have stepped off the throne of our own lives, if we've stepped off of the throne of our druthers and our desires and our want-tos, and we've bowed under His name, which is above every name, then He will lead us into glory. Have you done that? If Jesus returned today, as the New Testament prophesies that He will, when Jesus returns... Are you ready?